I'll say good morning again and welcome. And let me just say a word about how much I appreciate our praise band this morning. It's, uh, I don't know, they were sounding like a Methodist version of Destiny's Child or something this morning. It was, it's just awesome in here and I appreciate them so much. So, uh, and I appreciate you wherever you are at worshiping with us. If you're uh, right here in Gaston, Alabama, sitting out on your back porch or whether you're uh, at the beach or in some other state or around the world, we're glad that you're connected with us and we get to share this worship experience together on Pentecost Sunday. I want to read some scripture to you from John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39 this morning. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of our favorite movies to watch uh, at my house, especially at Christmas time, is Home Alone. And I'm talking about the original one from back in 1990, the first one. We like all of them, but at Christmas time, we always have to watch the original Home Alone. Uh, the one where Macaulay Culkin plays Kevin and and he, of course, he's the one that gets home alone, left home alone. And Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern play uh, Harry and Marv, who are the bad guys that are trying to break into Kevin's house. And of, of course, as you know, the whole point of the movie, the whole highlight of the movie, uh, would be the booby traps that he sets for Harry and Marv, and how funny it is when they get like smashed in the head and burnt and things like that. I don't know why I love it so much, but I do. But there's a spot in the movie where uh, Harry and Marv have just got it, just got started going into, trying to go into uh, Kevin's house, and they're running into all of his booby traps, and they're starting to understand this isn't going to be as easy as they thought. And by this time, uh, Harry has already gotten his head blowtorched, you know, uh, and he's already had his hand burned with the doorknob, and uh, he's, oh, oh, yeah, and he's also run through like a big thing of plastic wrap with this sticky stuff on it, and he had feathers from a feather pillow blown on him, and so he is, I don't know, he's a real mess, I tell you. Uh, and um, Marv has not fared much better. He's been shot in the face with a BB gun as he stuck his head through the doggy door in the kitchen, um, he try, decides to go down through the basement, and he slips all the way down the steps because Kevin has put water and they've frozen. And he gets to the basement, and he finally gets in the basement, and he pulls the string to turn the light on, and you hear this sound, and he looks up, and an iron, you know, like you iron clothes with, smashes him in the face. I know. I, you know, he would be dead. The All you left-brain people are thinking, I can't stand to watch this because he would already, both of them would already be dead by now. But, okay, this is the movies, and so we keep on watching. We keep on going, you know. So he decides, Marv does, 
he decides to go back outside and to try to come in for, through the first floor window and he opens the window and it's right by the Christmas tree and oh uh, I forgot to tell you he's already barefooted because he tried to go up the steps in the basement and Kevin had covered him with tar and he uh, had his shoes pulled off and then he with his bare feet stepped on a nail and fell screaming down the stairs and then he goes upstairs and then he's crawling in the first floor window and he steps down on the floor right on the glass Christmas ornaments which crunch underneath his already bloody feet and so he's limping along and he and Harry meet up together Harry with his head smoking and feathers all over him Marv with the imprint of an iron on his face limping on his bare feet and Harry says Marv what the heck happened to your face and Marv says Harry why the heck do you look like a chicken so this is the point we're at at the movie I hope that you're picturing this in your mind and at this point in the movie they hear Kevin's voice from the stairs and they run to the bottom of the stairs and Kevin has placed all of his little hot wheel cars right all over the floor and they both slip and fall flat on their backs and Kevin is sitting at the top of the stairs and he says these words you guys give up or are you thirsty for more and of course we know the answer to that question don't we they are thirsty for more they are thirsty for more and they get more suffering at the hands of this very creative and very mischievous eight-year-old boy but I'm saying all that to say this I want to pose these questions to you on Pentecost Sunday um, you might be home alone right now and so this may be connected in more ways than I know but this question comes in two parts part one of the question is this Are you guys ready to give up I don't know after 10 or 11 weeks or so I can't I've stopped counting now of being quarantined of of 10 or 11 weeks of having everything that you know just about turned upside down and nothing's the same you might be feeling like you're about ready to give up well I want to encourage you today is Pentecost Sunday Pentecost Sunday is not the day to give up last week we we celebrated Ascension Sunday where Jesus ascended into heaven and he gave some instructions to his disciples before he ascended into heaven he told them I want you to wait I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high and so 120 of Jesus's closest followers gathered in an upper room sheltered in place together in Jerusalem all together and they waited and they waited and they waited and they prayed you know I am sure that they got tired of waiting I, I I'm sure that they lost patience with each other and I'm sure that they got on each other's nerves I'll have to say been there done that uh, it's exhausting to wait it is and sometimes I even get on my own nerves but do you know why they kept on waiting do you know why they kept on praying it's because of the second part of this question and part two of this question is are you thirsty for more 
And Jesus' followers were thirsty for more, not more misery, not more pain, not more heartache. They were thirsty for more of the promise that Jesus gave at that great feast in Jerusalem where he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. That's what Jesus said. Now, the setting is very important. The setting where this promise is made is super important here. It's the last day of a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And there was a tradition on that feast day where a golden container would be filled with water from the pool of Siloam. uh, And it would be carried by the high priest um, back to the temple and um, the water would be poured out on the altar as an offering to God uh, as a symbolic way of thanking God for adequate rainfall for the crops. And while every while this was being done, everyone would be gathered around and the choir would be singing the hollow from Psalms 113 to 118. And it was loud and it was frenzied and it was festive and trumpets would be blasting Uh, to make a joyful sound and someone would read from Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 with joy you draw water from the wells of salvation and during all of this commotion during all of this fantastic ceremony Jesus stands up in the middle of it while everybody's watching and he said if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink Because, you know, Jesus knew, he literally knew that people were thirsty for more. It's like he was saying, you know, all of this religious festival stuff is great. I mean, it's really awesome. Everybody loves a festival. And the choir, the choir sounds great. And the sights and the sounds and the pageantry and all of that's fantastic. But you know what? None of that's going to quench the thirst of your soul. It just won't. And it's our souls that are thirsty, you see. We're thirsty for something, and we may not even understand really what it is, but we're thirsty for, we're thirsty for acceptance from God. We're thirsty for that rest with coming rest that comes from knowing that we have a relationship with the living God deep down thirst deep down we need the rest and deep down we wonder do we really deserve it are we really worthy of that kind of relationship Lewis Smedes has a book called Shame and Grace I recommend it to you if you've never read it But in there, he writes about the difference between deserving and worthy, the the difference between being deserving and being worthy. He says that we are deserving because of the things that we do, like the things that you would do to receive an award for. So I will just tell y'all up front that I will not be receiving the Cy Young Award this year, either for the National League or the American League, um, because I don't deserve it. I can't even throw a curveball, for heaven's sake. 
And I have just about given up my hopes of winning the Heisman Trophy. I know, I know. Uh, never give up hope, right? But I've just about given up hope because I don't deserve it. I've given up hope of winning a Grammy or an Emmy or any of those things. I don't deserve them. I didn't earn them, you see. And we deserve only what we earn. But being worthy is something totally different. We are worthy not because of what we've done. We are worthy because of who we are. And our deep down thirst has to do all about who we are and about our acceptance. It's not about what we do and what we earn. It's about who we are. And that thirst is as old as we are. When I was a baby, I was always thirsty for more. You can t tell I'm a big old boy. So as you can imagine, when I was a, a baby, I was a, a chunky little baby, and I was always thirsty for more milk, more formula, more whatever you could give. Uh, and I was always thirsty, and I was always crying. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, when I cried because I was thirsty for more, and I woke everybody up in the house, my mother got up in the middle of the night, and she fed me. And I want you to know, I didn't deserve it. I didn't. I had not worked to earn to pay for the rent or the groceries. I didn't help buy the diapers. I didn't help pay the light bill. My mom didn't feed me because I deserved it. She felt she fed me because she had deemed me worthy. When she looked at me, she saw her own special child, a unique person bearing the family resemblance. I wasn't, I wasn't deserving of all the sacrificial love that my mother gave me, but I was worthy because of who I was, her son. I didn't have to earn her acceptance. My mother gave it, and she still does. Thank you, Mom, if you're watching, by the way. So what are our souls thirsty for deep down? I believe that it is a relationship with the one living God who made us, God's acceptance, God's deeming that we are worthy just because we're his children. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God has already deemed us worthy. We're already his unique creation. We are already made in God's image, male and female, red or yellow, black or white. We are precious in his sight. We are worthy of acceptance. Now, what happens when we feel that we are denied acceptance on any level? I mean, what happens when you want to go out with this special person and that person doesn't want to go out with you? Uh, or what happens when you don't feel you have acceptance from your family or your, uh, your peers or your parents or your friends? What happens is we feel shame. We feel emptiness. 
we feel sort of like a baby who's crying in the middle of the night that never gets picked up and fed. That's the way we feel at a soul level. Our souls become dehydrated. Our cups are just bone dry and empty. And we need living water. And that's exactly what Jesus promised. He promised to meet that very deepest need that my soul needs, that your soul needs too. The living water. Do you remember the conversation that that Jesus had with uh, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4? If you haven't read that in a while, I encourage you this week to read John chapter 4. Join me on Wednesday nights uh, as we study the Gospel of John together. But if you if you can't do that, um, just read John chapter 4. Jesus was traveling through Samaria, and he sat down at a place known as Jacob's Well. And there was a woman there. It was the middle of the day. There was a woman there. She was there by herself. And Jesus asked the woman to give him something to drink. And here's what she said. She said, what are you doing asking me for a drink of water? Don't you know, don't you know that the Jews don't have anything to do with the Samaritans? You see, it was a racial thing. And it was a religious thing. They just didn't have anything to do with each other. The Jews thought the Samaritans were unworthy and unacceptable to God. And so... They treated them as if they were unworthy and unacceptable to themselves. And so here's what Jesus said. If you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, then you would ask me and I would give you living water. He knew this woman was thirsty He knew she was thirsty, not just for water that you draw from a well, but for that thing we all long for, that deep down need for acceptance. She wanted to be accepted by God. She wanted to be accepted by her neighbors. And she knew what shame felt like. She knew what feeling unworthy of acceptance by others felt like. You see, she'd been trying to quench that thirst her whole life. She had gone from relationship to relationship thinking that that was going to satisfy her thirst. And because of her checkered past, she had failed. And she had to come to the well in the middle of the hot part of the day, in the middle of the day. She had to come there by herself because the women of the village had heaped shame upon her instead of acceptance. And Jesus said, hey, I know your cup's empty. I know your cup's empty, and I have a gift for you. If you'll just ask for it, if you'll just ask for it, you can have living water, and the deepest, deepest thirst in your life can be quenched. And the woman could have said, look, I don't deserve it. And she would be right. And you and I can say today, you you and I can say, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We haven't earned the river of 
living water that God offers to us through the Holy Spirit. Just as this woman at the well in John chapter 4 had done some things she regretted, some things that she really wished she could change, we've done that too. She wasn't deserving, but the Lord had already deemed her worthy. He had already said, you're my daughter, and we are not deserving, but the Lord has deemed us worthy too. We didn't earn it. It's called grace, and it's amazing, and it's really what we're thirsty for. It really is. So I'll ask you again, are you thirsty for more? Have you been trying to quench that thirst and deep down thirst by things that don't really satisfy? Does your heart yearn for grace and forgiveness and acceptance? Would you like to have an overflowing life? That's what the day of Pentecost is all about. It's about receiving and then overflowing. It's about having your cup filled with the Holy Spirit and then spilling out everywhere you go. Now, you can read about all of that on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit was poured out of heaven, and it filled the room, and it filled the people in the room, and it quenched their thirst. And, and really, they couldn't be contained. They couldn't, that room, that upper room couldn't contain them. They spilled out all over the streets, and they gave the message that God cannot be contained either. We might be quarantined, but God cannot be contained. And the good news is for everybody. It's for the old and for the young. It's for males and females and Jews and Gentiles and even Samaritans. It's for everybody. Pentecost is about receiving the witness that God has deemed you worthy and that he will fill you with that living water because you are his unique child. And that you are accepted because of who you are. And it's about passing that beautiful gift on to others. That's life in the spirit. That's abundant, overflowing life. Really, Pentecost is about learning to hear and learning to speak a brand new language. Because I'll tell you, we already know how to speak and we already know how to hear the language of shame. We got that down. But we need to learn how to hear the language of God's love and grace and acceptance and to let it fill us and then learn how to speak that same language of love and grace and acceptance to others because you're thirsty for that, I'm thirsty for that, Everyone we meet is thirsty for more. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the rivers of living water that rise up in us when you pour in your Holy Spirit. And we say today, rise up, O well, and fill our souls. Rise up, O well. And make us whole. Rise up, O oh well, and help us to see 
life that you want to give abundantly. Amen.